hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere. And it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now, it comes in black and two different camo patterns. And you can pick one up for three to 400 bucks, depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's henryusa.com. Free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance, and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. If you're like me and suffer from insomnia, you know what? That's not fun. You know, I tried everything. I couldn't get a good night's sleep. And this is neither drug nor alcohol induced. That's right. It is my pillow. Mike Lindell invented it, and he fitted me for my first my pillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, stay asleep longer, and the good news, you can too. Just go to mypillow.com, promo code Sean, and take advantage of one of Mike Lindell's best offers, his special four pack. You get 50% off two my pillow premium pillows to go anywhere pillows. Now, my pillow is made in the USA, has a 60 day unconditional money back guarantee, no risk to you, and a 10 year warranty. You don't want to spend more sleepless nights on a pillow tossing and turning that's not working for you. Just go to MyPillow.com right now. Use the promo code Sean, and you get Mike Lindell's special four-pack. You get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off, and you'll start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep-healing and recuperative sleep you've been craving and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Sean. All right, glad you are with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love for you to uh, join us. Call in 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Yeah, it looks like Kimberly Strassel, Wall Street Journal, that Jim Comey had a spy, an FBI spy, inside of the Trump campaign on top of the illegal FISA warrant that they got, that they never verified, which the law requires, or corroborated, which the law requires, which FBI protocol requires. They never, in the original application, three subsequent applications, they never verified the Clinton bought and paid for. Again, we had a foreign source, foreign agent, Christopher Steele, put together 
a dossier full of now debunked lies. And it was used to get a FISA warrant. This is separate and apart from the FISA warrant. We'll get to all of that. And we've got Sarah Carter and David Schoen are going to join us today. Dr. Gorka's on the uh, program later today. John Bolton will stop by. we got a lot happening today. I want you to just stop, though, and remember where you are today because the media is never going to give you the absolute truth about how amazing things are progressing in this country at this moment. They're going to they're going to stick with their Russia, 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 stormy, stormy narrative 24 seven. It was interesting. Nicholas uh, Kristof, you know, was critical. I had a good headline on media. I read over the weekend, you know, made the statement, made a, an observation that the, the media's fixation on Trump is is horrible and they're missing it. But he got what they're missing. They're missing the biggest story in their lifetime that's been unfolding before their eyes because these so-called journalists are so rigidly ideological and so enamored and locked into their pathological hatred of Donald Trump, they can't control themselves. But I want you to know, you know how many presidents have promised to make Jerusalem the capital, recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and never did it? Endless. And this is who Donald Trump is. This is what he never gets credit for. And for all the talk about 2018 and 2020, what's going to matter at the end of the day are peace and prosperity. And the number, the, the amount of progress we have happening all over the globe and with the economy, it is, it's something we should all be happy about. The only people that are not happy are the people that hate the president. Because when he does well, that means their chances of getting power back through their predictable slogans and lies and propaganda that they use every four four years, it's not going to work this time. And for all the discussion about Donald Trump tweets, it's not going to matter if the economy keeps soaring. It's not going to matter if he single-handedly ends up deep with the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. It's not going to matter if this newly formed alliance with the United States, Israel, the Saudis, the Egyptians, Jordanians, and Emirates becomes solidified because of the president's peace through strength and ditching and withdrawing from this idiotic Iranian deal. He's going to get the credit he deserves with the people that matter the most. We, the people, not the deep state, not these corrupt actors in the media. It's, it's, it's American people have eyes and they will see it. And that will be the measure by which I think 2018, which is now unfolding into one of the most important midterm elections in our lifetime, because not only does Nancy Pelosi promise, she promises to raise taxes boldly and proudly. But of course, they're telling each other, shh, shh, shh. Don't say it. Just we're going to do it. Just don't. And they want to impeach President Trump. They've been saying impeach 45 impeach 45 been chanted a lot. But I want you to think what has happened in just the last couple of weeks. I'll walk you through it. Not only is Kim Jong Un stop firing missiles over Japan and threatening Guam 
as he has been known to do and threatening the entire free world. Not only has that happened, we watched Kim Jong-un release three American hostages last week, and it didn't take cargo planes full of cash to get the job done. We watched Kim Jong-un cross over the DMZ, first time ever in the modern era, into the arms of the South Korean president. Now we have Kim Jong-un inviting the Western press to watch as he promises to shut down his nuclear reactors, that they could watch it with him, open transparency. And, of course, we have a date set for the summit between President Trump and Kim Jong-un about denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. Now, on top of that, nobody really followed it, but last week we were able to capture the top five most wanted leaders of ISIS. Never mind the defeat of ISIS in Iraq that nobody talks about either. The president finally saying no to this horrific nuclear deal that Obama and John Kerry made with the Iranian mullahs that constantly threatened death to America, death to Israel. He ended this ridiculous deal. Now, maybe our European allies are a little slow. They'll catch up with us. But certainly those countries that I mentioned that are forming a new alliance, uh, the Saudis, Israelis, the United States, Egyptians, Jordanians, and the Emirates, we'll bring them along slowly but surely. They'll see the wisdom of never allowing radical Islamic mullahs to have weapons of mass destruction because it would lead to a modern-day Holocaust, and that's as simple as A squared plus B squared equals C squared. That's, that, that's how bad it is. But then there's all the economic issues that are happening. We now have optimism. A CNN survey of all places shows that optimism about the direction of this country is now at an 11-year high, nearly 60%. The last time the same poll registered that high a number was in January of 07. That's how long it has been. And it includes 40% of Democrats. And why shouldn't we feel good about safety and security in the Korean Peninsula? And that, you know, for the first time, aligning in a positive way to stop Iranian mullahs from, from acquiring weapons of mass destruction. We have the lowest unemployment rate in the United States of America since 2003 at 3.9%. If you look at African-American unemployment, that is a record low in our history. Hispanic unemployment is at a record low in our history. Women in the workforce, a record low unemployment rate in history. I mean, all good things you would think. And it gets better. In more evidence that the economy of Donald Trump is improving and that we also had the largest tax cuts, if you forgot, uh... Let's see. Uh-oh. Uh, this is just break. Melania Trump is under, undergoing a kidney surgery at Walter Reed. This is just breaking as we speak here. Uh, we don't. Procedure seems to have gone well. Okay. The first lady did have a surgery today. It happened earlier at Walter Reed. You know, it could be it probably something as simple as like a kidney stone, something, you know, that's they have to deal with. But it sounds like everything went well. Okay, just, I'm just following the news, passing it on as it breaks. But the news is so good and more evidence that the Trump economy is improving 
By the way, what, is, what did I say all through 2016? What did I talk about? I talked about this election in 2016 being about the forgotten men and women in this country. I told the same statistics every day. We had, what, 13 million more Americans after eight years of Obama on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, lowest labor participation rate since the 70s, lowest home ownership rate in 51 years. He doubled the national debt. And now we see, and he's the only president in history that never reached 3% GDP growth for a single year. And now we see the tide has turned. And more evidence that the economy continues to improve. The Atlanta Federal Reserve is now forecasting GDP for the second quarter will come in at 4%. I mean, and the, the Atlanta Fed is not alone. The St. Louis Fed is now projecting GDP at 3.86%. I mean, even the usually more pessimistic New York Fed is projecting, you know, GDP over 3%. Now, these successes have Democrats worried. Even the Washington Post is recognizing this. You know, this winning streak now, that is, I think it's the best run in his presidency. By the way, all happening under the, the dark cloud of this witch hunt investigation of Robert Mueller. You know, when, when Judge Ellis excoriated Mueller's team two Fridays ago, it was pretty amazing. I think it was a, a change in direction. Then the next day they got beat up by the other judge. The Russian bot case goes forward. That means it's a phony indictment. Now that Mueller's going to have to pull out of all of those. You watch. But now the, even the Democrats, they're scared to death. The Democratic lead in the generic ballot was up to 17 points in, in February. It's now one point difference in terms of the November midterm elections. And Democrats, according to the Washington Post, are worried because you got a booming economy. We have the highest surplus we've had in, in well since the Clinton years. Tax revenues, the highest it's ever been. We've defeated ISIS. We just got five of their the top ISIS most wanted leaders. North Korea, the entire Korean Peninsula, the president's good relationship with China. China's given in and offered concessions on, on intellectual property rights and on trade concessions that are going on. And... The big concern for Democrats is the president is successful and his approval rating is going up. And Republicans, even Paul Ryan said he's going to be a net plus for Republicans in November. He's probably going to save the Republicans from themselves and their pathetic, weak, inactive agenda because he is the agenda. Anyway, if you look at, you know, look at the Senate race in Florida, three term Democrat Bill Nelson now he's got to go up against Governor Rick Scott. Rick Scott's a rock star. And they're now afraid that Nelson is going to lose to Governor Rick Scott. He should lose. He's one of 10 Democratic senators running this year in a state won by Trump. Heidi Heitkamp should be in trouble. Claire McCaskill should never be brought back. You know, we have a lot of these races that we're following that we think that the Republicans have a good chance to win and they should win. But for Democrats to win means you have to do badly. The economy has to do badly. You know, the forgotten men and, and women should be pushed aside in, in the course of their blind ambition. And then, of course, whenever possible, let Robert Mueller do his thing. 800-941-SHAWN. We have the latest on Comey out of spy inside the Trump campaign, according to the Wall Street Journal. 
We've got a lot coming up. Ambassador Bolton, now should have security advisor Bolton, Sarah Carter, also David Schoen, much more. All right, just to give you all the details, it just broke that the First Lady Melania Trump did, in fact, undergo a procedure at Walter Reed uh, National Military Medical Center to treat a benign kidney condition. I think this has a lot to do with fibroids. I was watching some of the coverage. It was successful. There's zero complications. And she will likely remain there for the duration of the week. And it looks uh, she looks forward to a full recovery and can continue her work, et cetera. Um, what it refers to is like a passage and lodging of you know, within the bloodstream. And, you know, in this particular case, by reason of what the procedure is, it means it was benign or else they wouldn't have even done this kind of procedure there. Um, but it is uh, it, it sort of blocks the blood supply and so on and so forth. So it ends up taking the benign tumor out of play and and out of life, if you will, by cutting off the blood blood supply. Anyway, it involves the, um, look, I'm not a doctor. What what am I, you know, bottom line is it was was successful. We wish our our thoughts and prayers. Um, Let me get back to this, how profound all of this is when the president gets the release of hostages Kim Jong-un inviting the West now to see him shut down his nuclear reactors. Then, of course, crossing the DMZ. No more missiles being fired. Uh, Now talking about denuclearization. Then uh, the release of the hostages, capturing five of the top most wanted leaders of ISIS, ending the nuclear deal with Iran. And then you take it to what the president did by opening the embassy in Jerusalem. And the prime minister said last December, President Trump became the first world leader to recognize Jerusalem as our capital. And today, the United States of America is opening its embassy right here in Jerusalem, Netanyahu said. Thank you, President Trump, for having the courage to keep your promises. What a glorious day. Remember this moment. As he said to the applauding crowd, President Trump, by recognizing history, you have made history. All of us are deeply moved. All of us are deeply grateful. The president sent a video message, and he said the move was a long time coming and that Israel, like all sovereign nations, has a right to name its own capital. And he mentioned that the U.S. would still be observing the status quo in terms of contested territories, et cetera, et cetera. But the U.S. will always be a great friend of Israel and a partner in the cause of freedom and peace. We extend a hand in friendship to Israel and to all neighbors. Said, may God bless the embassy, may God bless all who serve here, and may God bless the United States. And now the Washington Post has a piece how all of this success is scaring Democrats who want to raise taxes and impeach the president. Oh, so they're cheering for losing? I'm here. Let not your heart be troubled. Glad you're with us. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. Uh, So that was what the prime minister said. If you're just joining us, I mean, if you really absorb the last few weeks, Kim Jong-un stops firing. Kim Jong-un crosses the DMZ. Kim Jong-un releases three hostages. A summit date is set for Singapore. What's it? June 12th. That's done. We captured five of the most wanted leaders of ISIS. We end the horrific Iranian deal. We've got 14 states record low unemployment. Uh, African-American unemployment, the lowest ever. Hispanic unemployment, the lowest ever. Women in the workplace, lowest unemployment ever. Lowest unemployment rate since 2000, uh, the year 2000 at 3.9%. President keeps his promise. 
he moves the embassy to Jerusalem. After Even Chucky Schumer had to applaud the president for that. He did it, you know. No Democrats went over there, though. Democrats snubbed the embassy celebration in Israel. You have four U.S. senators addressed uh, members of the press at the King David Hotel this morning. Ted Cruz, Dean Heller, Lindsey Graham, and Mike Lee, they made the trip. I was really, we were invited to go there. I was not able to attend. I had a uh, obligation with my son that I, uh, I had to, and I, and I just said I couldn't go. But I was invited. I would have liked to have been there. I know that people like the great one, Mark Levin, went. I know that Jay Sekulow's over there. Uh, other friends of mine are over there. But not one Democrat went over there. Only former Senator Joe Lieberman, he went. He was the Democratic nominee. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life. And frankly, he's great on national security and defense issues and understanding radical Islamists. You have two journalists ask the Republican senators why no Democrats came. Cruz, Senator Cruz said it's a sad, sad manifestation. I wish we had every member of Congress here. Every member of Congress had the option before them to come. They should have gone. I understand people have other things that they've got to do. I understand it. You have a um, speaking at the breakfast organized by the Orthodox Union, Israeli justice minister, literally called President Trump the Winston Churchill of the 21st century. By the way, I've, I've always thought it was Bibi who's had more moral clarity on the world stage than anybody. And it's because of the proximity to those, you know, countries like Iran that want to destroy Israel. I mean, pretty amazing. Did you see the there was an article in some some magazine or some article somewhere ripping me for believing Bibi Netanyahu's presentation, which was probably the biggest intelligence coup in the history of the world when they were able to sneak in and get all of the blueprints, all of the plans, the Iranian nuclear plans and ballistic missile plans. You think, oh, that's, that must be a bad thing. Anyway, Schumer didn't go. Nobody went. All Democrats snubbed it. By the way, a poll that came out, commissioned by I-24 News, I got to tell you, the media in Israel is so left-wing, it's unbelievable. They don't have a Fox News or the equivalent of talk radio. Matter of fact, when I broadcast over there, occasionally we do live radio shows over there. What's, uh, what's the name of the station we do it for? 102 FM yeah, in Tel Aviv. Yeah, 102 FM in Tel Aviv. I mean, they get hammered because I'm on the air, but they also have more feedback than they've ever had. By the way, we should do another show with them. I'd love to do another show. That'd be great. Uh, you have fake news CNN. I guess somebody over there. It's a headline in the Daily Caller. CNN host blames Trump for causing Iran to attack Israel. I mean, what are they talking about over there? You have a poll shows landslide support for the president's North Korean initiative. What is this all? Where does this get us here? Well, it gets us hopefully to a safer world. Every country has the right to choose their capital. And this president had the courage to do it, just like this president had the courage to to put six striker force groups off the coast of North Korea. Well, what do you think the president was saying to Kim Jong Un? We're going to take out your sights. It's not like he had a choice. Another underreported aspect of this North Korean summit is the president's relationship that he built up with the president of China. You know, everyone's talking about different concessions the United States made. China made intellectual property concessions 
president doesn't want to trade war, but he wants free and fair trade, so he's negotiating new deals. Also, the tariff issues on automobiles. I want American cars to be sent over to China without the, the high burden and cost that China's been putting on American imports. That's now happening. Let's talk about under Clinton and Kerry. Remember, they sold out Israel, our strongest ally on United Nations Resolution 2334. It was horrible. You know, they fought off a particular case that American born in Jerusalem could not have Jerusalem, Israel, on his or her passport because it supposedly would cause the world to recognize any part of Jerusalem as Israeli. Well, it is Israeli. It's called history. It's called facts. It's called truth. And we talk all about, well, undermining elections of foreign countries, and Russia tried to influence our elections. There was another report out last week that said not one vote was influenced, but putting that aside, it was Obama that spent taxpayer dollars through the State Department and worked hard to undermine our best ally in the region, Prime Minister Netanyahu, during his re-election. And we know for a fact that went down. Alan Dershowitz has said so. John McLaughlin was there on the ground and chronicled it all. Pretty amazing. These are amazing times we're living in here. Yeah, okay, the Al-Qaeda leader crawls for jihad in the area. Well, it just sounds like a normal Monday from Al-Qaeda. So we have all of this success, you know, lowest unemployment rates. We have more revenues coming into the federal government than ever before. We have the biggest surplus last month than we've ever had going back decades. As a matter of fact, the biggest one ever because of the tax cuts. And what does the Washington Post write about how Democrats are worried? What, are you worried about the jobs created? Are you worried about the people that aren't on food stamps? Are you worried about... The opportunities that America is building alliances that we never dreamed of that makes the world a safer place? Are you worried that the president is working towards denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula? Are you worried that he's getting along with China? Are you worried that the the president is is building an alliance with the Israelis, the Saudis, Jordanians, Egyptians, the Emirates against Iranian hegemony? And that that could cause an even deeper alliance? They're sharing intelligence like they've never shared before. What are we afraid of here? Driving Democratic concerns at Trump's high approval ratings, which has ticked upwards in recent weeks, and high Republican turnout in some recent primaries suggesting the GO base is now energized and remains energized. And what's more, Republicans stand to benefit politically from a thriving economy and are choosing formidable candidates to take on vulnerable Democratic senators. And they talk about Florida and Bill Nelson. Uh, and it goes on, the growing alarm about Nelson and one of 10 other Democratic senators. Democratic worries are mounting in the House as well, where the party has been more confident of gaining 23 seats it needs to retake the majority. Democrats are picking strong candidates in dozens of Republican-held suburban districts where Trump has lost significant support, but recent surveys suggest those races are now tightening. And we now know that they once had a 16% generic ballot lead. Well, that's now down to 1%. Well, it's all going to come down to peace and prosperity in the economy and the referendum of this question. Do you want Nancy Pelosi to raise your taxes? And do you want the Democrats to try and undo an election by impeaching the president for no reason at all, except for what we now have discovered with deep state operatives, which leads us to Jim Comey 
and Kimberly Strassel's piece when I was off Friday in the Wall Street Journal. Bombshell column. We had it on Thursday night. We'll have a lot more tonight on it. We'll have a lot more at the top of the hour with Sarah Carter and David Schoen. But the Department of Justice lost their latest battle with Congress when they allowed the House Intel Committee members to view classified documents about a top-secret intelligence source that was part of the FBI's investigation of the Trump campaign. Even without official confirmation of the source's name, the news so far holds some stunning implications. Among them is that the Department of Justice, the FBI, outright hid critical information from a congressional investigation. This is why they're slow walking. This is why they're redacting in the name of national security. And then we find out later that it had nothing to do with national security, like in the case of Comey and Strzok and other FBI people not believing that General Flynn lied. Anyway, it goes on in a a press conference, uh, in a Thursday press conference, Speaker Ryan bluntly noted the Intelligence Committee Chairman Devin Nunes' request for details on this secret source was wholly appropriate, completely within the scope of the committee's long-running FBI investigation and something that probably should have been answered a while ago. Let me translate. The department knew full well it should have turned this material over to congressional investigators last year, but they deliberately concealed it. They're hoping that the Democrats they can, they can stonewall this long enough that Nancy Pelosi's the speaker. That's what their hope is. This is sad. Anyway, House investigators, they sniffed out a name. Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein's response was to double down accusing the House of extortion and delivering a speech in which he claimed that declining to open FBI files to review is a constitutional duty. Justice asked the White House to back back at stonewalling, and it even began spinning that, uh, you know, all this other stuff. But the bottom line is they don't just... Remember, with Rod Rosenstein, who's conflicted in this, he signed one of the FISA warrants himself, conflicts him out of all of this. And then he appoints Robert Mueller. And it's the same Rod Rosenstein that will be a witness because he recommended firing Comey. Something up with Rod Rosenstein, very deep in all of this. He's the guy that begged Paul Ryan, begged him, don't release the information, waited till the final midnight hour when we finally found out through the Nunes memo and then the Grassley-Graham memo about all the FISA abuse that happened. We're only at the tip of the iceberg. Senate Judiciary Committee is now suggesting that General Flynn's indictment may have been fraudulent. I'm looking at this report, it seems like it, from Fox News. They've now verified at the Senate Judiciary Committee. A finding announced last week by the House Intel Committee that according to the former FBI chief, James Comey, Whatever General Flynn told FBI investigators in January of 2017, it did not rise to the level of an indictable falsehood. Well, why did they indict a 35-year veteran then in this particular case? When What about equal justice under the law? I know we don't like to talk about that anymore. Hillary Clinton gets a pass. Yeah, we have five, six foreign intelligence services hacking into our private... How, who knows where, where WikiLeaks got it? Everybody apparently had all the emails and everything she had on it. Russia, China, Iran, North Korea. Who else knows? By the way, prosecutors admit, this is amazing too, that Robert Mueller's merry band of prosecutors, you know, the ones that were excoriated 
by T.S. Ellis III two Fridays ago. You know, they did the 13 Russian indictment for attempting to interfere with the election. Then they found out that Mueller's team wasn't ready to go to trial. Now they may drop the indictment. That means that was a show indictment because they never thought anybody in Russia was going to respond. And they did. Now we learn that Mueller's prosecutors apparently indicted a company that did not even exist. You can't make this stuff up. FISA abuse, warrant abuse, uh, surveilling abuse, uh, unmasking abuse. Now we have FBI moles. Then we have FISA abuses where we're literally using Hillary bought and paid for Russian lies put together by a foreign agent. Oh, but, you know, Hannity, you're off base here. It's taken us over a year to do this, to get to the bottom of all of this. Now Senate Democrats, this story in the Daily Caller, Mark Warner acknowledging over the weekend that um, as it relates to Trump-Russia collusion, it could be a set of coincidences rather than collusion. I'm anxious for this to come to a collusion, this to come to a conclusion. Yeah, of course. Because he knows the Democrats have, and the media have lied to the American people and now heading into an election, now they don't want to be exposed. I'm not stopping. I'm going to have to take my microphone away. I have to pull me away from this microphone. I'm not stopping. What they did here is the biggest abuse of power, corruption, scandal in American history. It makes Watergate look like petty theft in comparison. It's outrageous. You care about liberty and freedom. You better care about all this using the powerful tools of intelligence. Turn it on the American people. It's not rank and file intelligence. It's not rank and file FBI or CIA. It's a it's the few elite upper echelon that thought they knew better than the American people. And of course, the Democrats and their willing accomplices in the media. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity show Sarah Carter, investigative uh, reporter. She'll join us next. Yeah, the FBI, the latest bombshell. They had a spy inside the Trump campaign. I'm not making this up. The Senate Judiciary says, yeah, nobody thought Flynn lied, and it might have been, you know, fraudulent from the get-go. Oh, and Mueller's only Russiangate indictment is now totally unraveled, and he indicted a company that doesn't really exist, but nothing else new. And the indications are that the FBI had some kind of a source within the Trump campaign that was feeding them information? Well, at least interacting with the Trump campaign, what we know from a leak that appears to have come from law enforcement is that they're requesting information about a source. And that term is important because when the FBI talks about a source, they talk about someone that's at your average citizen that uses their credentials or their job as a way of spying for the agency. So we can take that to mean that this is somebody that was interacting with the Trump campaign in some way and reporting back to the FBI, which means the FBI was using human intelligence to spy on a presidential campaign. Uh, be honest, the deputy needs to recuse himself. Uh, we need to have a level of transparency, probably not one person, but multiple people who, uh, who in fact oversee this to make sure that the American people get what they deserve. Let's remember, the FBI has tremendous power and the Department of Justice hand in hand with them. And whether it was the left or the right, when they were going after Martin Luther King and bugging him and trying to uh, get, it, get dirt on him, or even all the way back with Goldwater, the FBI 
doesn't have clean hands. The Department of Justice says their partners don't have clean hands. And so we, as the oversight, if you will, of that branch, cannot and should not trust them. We should demand the transparency that we're entitled to. And we need to be in front of a federal judge so that we have two against one, because it's clear we're not getting where we need to uh, go fast enough. And, uh, you know, these chairmen are doing their job, Goodlatte, uh, Nunes, and Gowdy. But the reality is they're being slow walked uh, till after the election in the hopes that the Democrats will take over the House or the Senate and then the investigations will be covered up. No question in my mind uh, that, uh, that this would be something that would just go away if we lose the gavel. License to spy. Now the question is, did you lie, cheat, or steal in order to do that? And very very clearly with the information presented you know behind closed doors to the federal judge the fact is they did mislead the judge get a warrant multiple uh, you know uh, ability to uh, to spy and now we're asked to believe that you can trust the very people not not the management for a moment but the very people who know this and are covering it up most of those people haven't retired. Some of them knew about it when they broke the law or misled a federal judge. And, uh, and they don't want us to know it. And it, it's not about Republican or Democrat. It's about the fact that we have another election coming up. Why in the world would we think it's not happening again? All right, that was Daryl Issa on with Maria Bartiromo and making a lot of points here. We know the FBI, the DOJ, lied to get a FISA warrant, and they're trying to cover it up, also saying Rod Rosenstein should have recused himself, all points we had been trying to make here. And the FBI and DOJ are slow-walking documents until Democrats win the House. That's exactly what they're doing. On top of that, we have Kimberly Strassel with the Wall Street Journal and a point that we started talking about Thursday night, I was off on Friday with our friend investigative reporter Sarah Carter, who's also a Fox News contributor, David Schoen, civil liberties and uh, criminal defense attorney are with us now. Let's start with uh, Kim Strassel and this whole story about an FBI, the FBI using a mole on the Trump campaign. I mean, you were the first person, Sarah, to break the story, along with John Solomon, that, in fact, a FISA warrant had been issued against the Trump campaign. That was in March of 2017. And since then, we've we've gotten to the point where we are now. So what? who is this FBI source that they use to spy on the Trump campaign? Well, we certainly know, based on the information that the House Intelligence Committee is looking at, and we also know, based on the documentation provided by the Department of Justice, Sean, that the FBI had a source um, that appears to have also been connected, according to sources that I've spoken with, uh, with U.S. intelligence. That would be the CIA as well. So remember, FBI counterintelligence often uses sources, that is, people in regular life, just as Kimberly said, that have, you know, separate jobs outside of the FBI that provide uh, information to our U.S. intelligence officials on issues that they're investigating. And it appears in this case, and based on the request made by Nunez and that and also based on documentation, which is really interesting because the Nunez request on a particular person wasn't made public until the DOJ actually leaked the letter um, that was between, and it wasn't necessarily leaked, it was just put out there by the DOJ, which is what I reported on last week, uh, this letter that specified that there was a person 
a particular person that uh, the chairman and his committee investigators were interested in learning more about. Now, they did not name that person. Remember, this is highly classified information. When somebody is a source for the FBI, they're usually under a nickname even. So not even people within the FBI, um, other people working outside of the case would even know who this person is. But it appears that they had somebody that was reporting back on information inside the Trump campaign, which would mean that they had a mole connected to people in the Trump campaign or within the Trump campaign, and that person was providing information regularly to the FBI. This is really incredible because this, at the time, if, if we're looking at the time period, here is the candidate that was, that was you know, uh, for, for presidency of the United States. The FBI, in this day and age, after being through all the scandals they've had in the past, remember even information that came out during the church hearings way in the past, uh, that the FBI had, you know, moles in all kinds of places, even with Martin Luther King, that they were building a dossier on him. So you wouldn't think that that was happening now, but it appears that it was, um, and it expands this uh, much further, this investigation, especially for congressional oversight committees that are trying to see what was going on here. And if this person was also connected to the CIA and was an asset for the CIA, then that would be very interesting as well, because that would tell me one thing, that this person could possibly be somebody that is foreign not just American. Um, so the reporting out there varies on this. Um, I, I think uh, Kimberly focused on this, or the Washington Post actually said that it was an American uh, person. But but it could it could be very expansive. It could be somebody that is connected to both the let CIA me, and the FBI. Let me go to David and talk about the legality of, of all of this. Now, in retrospect, it's taken a long time to figure it out, but we know that the FISA warrants use the Clinton... Fusion GPS, foreign national Christopher Steele, Russian lying dossier, propaganda dossier to get the FISA warrants. It was never verified or corroborated. And then, of course, they never informed the FISA judge, neither in the original application nor in the three subsequent applications, one of which Rod Rosenstein himself signed off on, which I think then he should have recused himself because he's conflicted in other areas. But, you know, now we're learning that they might have had an FBI spy inside of the Trump campaign or somebody reporting back to the FBI. I, I mean, this sounds like something out of the former Soviet Union. This doesn't sound like the United States. And and if I can add one thing, then the level of unmaskings that went up 350 percent. Then you have a, a U.N. ambassador requesting you know, about 350 Americans unmasked in an election year. I mean, or one a day, basically. And I'm asking myself, are the powerful tools of intelligence, were they used against the American people and against one political party? It, it seems every day that some high echelon people were involved in abusing that power. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm not given to hyperbole. I'm going to say this, uh, and I mean it. And I'll say before I say that, you can run, but you can't hide. If Sarah Carter finds out that this is true, she will expose this person. She'll find out who it is. We're going to get to the bottom of the story. But here's what I mean. I say I'm not giving to hyperbole, but I'll say this loud and clear. This will be worse than Watergate if it's true. The insertion Isn't it already worse than Watergate? Just for example, Hillary, her deletions, her acid washing, the cover-up, the FISA lies to FISA judges, the FISA abuse. Isn't this all worse than Watergate already? 
horrible misconduct, and maybe so, but here the, an official policy of inserting a confidential source into a presidential campaign during an election, unprecedented, worse than Watergate. And you've already uh, mentioned the implications. Listen, we know that there were omissions from the FISA applications. Was this confidential source disclosed to the, in the FISA applications? And by the way, how could it have been government policy to use a confidential source to get what was the basis for that when the president was saying there's no possible way Russia could affect the election at the time? They may say now, well, it was a source to get to Manafort, etc. Then where is the disclosure in the discovery in the Manafort case? How about the disclosure in confidential or backdoor uh, meetings with congressional members? This is absolutely a fundamental wrong if it happened. Um, and we've got to get to the bottom of it. You know, there was a, another piece when Judge Ellis expressed a skepticism about what was really in play in the Manafort case by going after tax fraud back in 2005. I mean, it was pretty shocking. But another point that he made, Sarah Carter, is we don't want in this country anybody with unfettered power. So it raises a question, and, and this too was in the Wall Street Journal, and, and it refers to Morrison v. Olson and the decision, not the dissent. And, and that was the decision, the case best known for Antonin Scalia's long dissent, arguing the post-Watergate independent counsel statute was unconstitutional. Uh, Chief Justice at the time, Rehnquist's opinion for the court, it, it upheld the statute, but it set forth limits that appears the Mueller investigation has exceeded. Ex for, for example, the, the post-raid mandate expansion, remember the raid happened July 26, Rod Rosenstein expanded the mandate on August 2nd. Uh, it, you couldn't have said it more clearly, Sean, and I know you've been hammering this home for weeks now uh, on this, and especially on Rod Rosenstein's mandate and the concern that, and his memorandum that allowed for that expansion post-post what happened and, 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 and the Manafort raid. So this is the reason why both Chairman Nunez as well as Trey Gowdy and others have been screaming mad about not having access to the full document, not being able to see all the details of Rosenstein's memorandum. This is why the judge himself wants to see this entire document unredacted. Right now, everybody seems to have this redacted version. And as you noted in, 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 on your show and on the radio show, that a large majority of it is just blacked out. So nobody has any idea. This has been what's been happening from the very beginning of this investigation. Every time there is a congressional investigation or they're trying to look at more documents, they have to go through this rigmarole where they have to hold people in contempt before, and especially at the DOJ and the FBI, that's who I'm talking about here, they're hold, they have to hold them in contempt before anything gets moved on, before they have any movement whatsoever. Well, I want to get to that because we've got a new development on the, on the delay portion of this and the slow walking that's been going on. We'll continue more with David Schoen and Sarah Carter, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. Right, as we continue with investigative reporter Sarah Carter and with David Schoen, a criminal defense attorney, civil liberties attorney, I want to ask specifically about the slow walking, about redactions in the name of national security that we find out later are not about national security. Is this really about the Democrats, David Schoen, and the special counsel's office and, and people within the deep state? Are they just trying to hope that maybe the Democrats get control of the House in November? Yeah, I think that's a vitally important point that's been made on your show. Um, that's the separation of powers issue. We must have a strong Congress that's willing to go after these documents 
as they seem to be now. I want to back up one second because you gave a very important civics lesson in the last segment. What you said is we've created a, a monster with Mueller. These are my words, not yours. But you create a monster with Mueller, which violates, many people would argue, it violates Article 2, Section 2, Clause 2 of the Constitution. That's the appointments clause that you spoke about. Um, that's a, something that requires someone with broad power like this, like a U.S. attorney, let's say, to be appointed with the uh, consent of the Senate, not just using the special counsel. Special counsel is meant for a very narrow, targeted investigation. This thing has gone well beyond all of that. But here's how it ties together. When you have a team that's made up of people like Mueller chose, specifically people most virulently anti-Trump, pro-Hillary Clinton group one could imagine, both with their pocketbook and in their philosophy, we can't have any confidence in the process. And so here's how that civics lesson is playing out now. If there were omissions from the FISA applications, if there is a confidential source placed in the campaign, we can't have any confidence that this team now will out that. You've got a guy like Andrew Weissman in there, and I'm telling you, I've had case after case in which he simply lied about a confidential source uh, in an investigation. Lied to a federal judge, lied to the defendants in the case. Sarah, give me the last minute here. And, and that's a very important point. I mean, the judge is looking at all of this. We saw this from Judge Sullivan as well in uh, Michael Flynn's case, which is very important. And there's new developments on that front. I think that what they're going to be looking at is the scope of the Mueller investigation. And I'm talking about the judges. And I do believe that some of that memo, Sean Rosenstein's memo, will be redacted. You talked about new developments. And I know that they're looking at it right now. Judicial Watch is fighting really hard in the courts to get that memo redacted. So... Uh, unredacted. So let's see what we can get done in the next few days. All right. I want to. We'll see you both on TV tonight, nine Eastern. Hannity on the Fox News Channel. What a what a week. I mean, it's it's been unbelievably successful for the president all across the board. I mean, you know, look at what happened in Jerusalem today. It's now the capital of Israel. We had three hostages released. We had f- five of the most wanted leaders of ISIS captured. Uh, the president ended the nuclear deal in Iran. We have a date set for Kim Jong-un. Kim Jong-un is now not only releasing hostages, crossing the DMZ, but now he's allowing the West to watch him shut down his nuclear sites. We have the lowest unemployment we've ever had in 14 states for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, women in the workplace, and the unemployment rate is the lowest since 2000. It's pretty remarkable what is happening in spite of all of this witch hunt that has surrounded the president from day one as we now enter year two. Quick break right back. John Bolton is coming up and much, much more straight ahead. All right, 25 now till the uh, top of the hour. Hoping to get the... the new national security advisor, John Bolton, on the line. Uh, let me play because everything's breaking on the world stage uh, and there's so much happening. I'm going to play the president previewing the summit with Kim Jong-un. Now, remember, here's a guy that is now is telling the West, oh, you can watch me shut down the nuclear sites. After, of course, he stopped firing missiles after he crossed the DMZ and now has set up this summit and is willing to talk about denuclearization. Also the president on how we can never allow the Iranians to have nuclear weapons, especially in light of Prime Minister Netanyahu's presentation. And then the president sent a message for the dedication of the Jerusalem embassy, which he opened after many presidents had promised and never allowed to happen. And the Prime Minister Netanyahu thanking the president for having the courage to keep promises, which we need a lot more of. 
Today, we follow through on this recognition and open our embassy in the historic and sacred land of Jerusalem. And we're opening it many, many years ahead of schedule. As I said in December, our greatest hope is for peace. The United States remains fully committed to facilitating a lasting peace agreement, and we continue to support the status quo at Jerusalem's holy sites, including at the Temple Mount, also known as Haram al-Sharif. This city and its entire nation is a testament to the unbreakable spirit of the Jewish people. The United States will always be a great friend of Israel and a partner in the cause of freedom and peace. We wish Ambassador Friedman good luck as he takes up his office in this beautiful Jerusalem embassy, and we extend a hand in friendship to Israel, the Palestinians, and to all of their neighbors. May there be peace. May God bless this embassy. May God bless all who serve there. And may God bless the United States of America. Thank you. We gather here today to celebrate another historic day in the life of this city, which I know will take its place alongside other momentous decisions in the history of our people. Over a century ago, the Balfour Declaration recognized the right of the Jewish people to a national home in this land. And exactly 70 years ago today, President Truman became the first world leader to recognize the newborn Jewish state. Last December, President Trump became the first world leader to recognize Jerusalem as our capital. And today, the United States of America is opening its embassy right here in Jerusalem. Thank you. Thank you, President Trump, for having the courage to keep your promises. Thank you, President Trump, and thank you all for making the alliance between America and Israel stronger than ever. All right, we're hoping Ambassador Bolton can get with us. Uh, we were just told he was held a little late in the meeting. Let's get to our busy phones in the meantime. As we say hi to Jim is in Pittsburgh, PA. Jim, hi, how are you? You know, we want all those people, our friends in, in Pittsburgh, getting back to work, and slowly but surely, I keep hearing it's happening. What's going on? Oh, busy, 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 and absolutely right. Yeah, the city's... Uh... The city is on fire, so to speak. I mean, it's um, the economy here is, I think, it's starting to ramp back up and uh, a lot more technology jobs. And um, it, it, you can see the effects of, of Trump's policy every day around here. Yeah. So, so Sean, I, my, my question to you, and this might is probably a little bit out of left field, but and I don't want to sound like a tinfoil hat guy, right, because there are enough of those out there, but I look at everything that's happened over the last year, right, with Comey and the FBI mm-hmm. and, and the, the sad, isn't it? and all this other stuff. Yeah. So my, my question is, the, oh, clearly these people, right, including the, the Obama acolytes, they were very, very comfortable in doing all this stuff, and they did it with ease. So my question that keeps me up at night is how far back do you think this kind of behavior goes? And I mean, it, was it just through Obama? Was it through Clinton? Does it go all the way back to Reagan? I mean, how, how far back does this go? You know, it's a great question you're asking. Um it's always been there, but I don't think this type of level of abuse of power ever happened in my recollection. 
you know, remember, there was a lot of hate for Reagan. And when Iran-Contra became such a big deal and, and there was a lot of it was all baloney. You know, but that was in Reagan's second term. Same with Bill Clinton. I mean, his was in 98. It was in his second term. This president has not had a moment's peace because they literally, now we're learning that an FBI agent inside the Trump campaign. Then you had the FISA warrant based on and predicated on a Hillary bought and paid for document created by a foreign national with Russian sources and the judges lied to. And then you have the origination of this as Hillary's violation of the Espionage Act, and then Hillary going further than that, destroying subpoenaed evidence in that case. And then, of course, Comey and Strzok and others, all these people put the fix in. I, I, I can't, you know, I keep saying, Jim, that this is the biggest abuse of power scandal in our history. That's what I mean. Oh, it, it is. It, this is terrifying to the average citizen. I mean, look at what they're doing to well, arguably, to a guy who was arguably powerful before he took office. You know? Listen, and they're, and they're it's... Listen, the things we're exposing are real. The deep state is real. The corruption is real. The undermining of the president is real. It's sad. Uh, Listen, I got to let you go only for one other reason. I guess we have the uh, brand new national security advisor, longtime friend of mine, uh, John Bolton, former U.N. ambassador. How are you, sir? Hi, Sean. How are you? Glad to be with you. So today, Jerusalem is now the capital of Israel. We've had the the release of three American hostages after the president negotiated the stopping of the firing of missiles over Japan, the threatening of Guam. Kim Jong-un crossed the DMZ into the arms of the South Korean president. We're now talking about denuclearization of the Korean peninsula. We captured five of the top most wanted leaders of ISIS. The president ended the horrific nuclear deal. We've got a meeting set with Kim Jong-un and the economy is roaring. I guess it's been pretty slow since you started. Right. Well, I think what it shows is that the president uh, may not conform to the expectations of America's foreign policy establishment in many respects. And in one important respect where he doesn't conform is that he gets results. And that may be the thing that aggravates him the most. But look, there's still a lot of challenges out there. No, nobody should have stars in their eyes. But uh, the record of achievement that you just laid out, really, you can't argue with it. Well, let me ask you about why this is so significant today. So many presidents had promised to make Jerusalem the capital. They never made it happen. Why is this significant? Well, it recognizes reality in the first place. You know, after 70 years of stumbling around, America's finally found out where Israel's capital is. And, of course, that's where we put our embassy. But, but perhaps even more important uh, than that is, is the point you started with. Uh, is that almost every successful presidential candidate and many unsuccessful ones have said they would move the embassy, and none of the rest of them did it. And I think, as with the president's withdrawal from the wretched Iran nuclear deal, uh, leaders around the world can watch this and come to only one conclusion, that when President Trump says he's going to do something, he does it. I think that's extraordinarily important for American credibility around the world, the contrast with Barack Obama and his famous comment about red lines if uh, Syria moved its chemical weapons around and then failing to follow through could not be clearer. And I think that's uh, very important for American national security because we are more likely to remain at peace and unchallenged if people believe America's word. Let's go to what's happened in North Korea. I mentioned all the, the rockets stopped firing. We're now talking about denuclearization, the crossing of the DMZ. Uh, and I mean, this is a really big moment. 
certainly with the announcement of Kim Jong-un that the West can watch him shut down his reactors. I was a little stunned by that, taken aback by that statement. Your your thoughts? Well, we'll see what he actually does. Uh, Rhetoric uh, followed by inaction has happened in the past. But, you know, no other president has gotten gotten us to this point. Uh, So we're we're planning for the uh, meeting in Singapore on June the 12th. A lot of work to do. I think the president uh, will have his chance to uh, size up Kim Jong Un. Uh, and, and I think that's important. I think rather than months and even years of preparatory negotiations, uh, the two of them will get together and we'll see. And the president's uh, going to judge better than anybody else whether uh, Kim has really made up his mind to give up nuclear weapons. And if he has, then a lot of things are possible. Yeah. Let's talk about why. Uh, look, I've given my reason to this audience about the mullahs in Iran and their their threat, uh, their proxy wars they've been fighting, killing Americans inside of uh, Iraq. Uh, You see an alliance that was unprecedented between the U.S., Israel, the Saudis, the Jordanians, Egyptians, the the Emirates. Uh, Is there further fallout in a good way? In other words, does this now transfer to other alliances with with these countries as they line against Iranian hegemony in the region? Well, I think it's very important uh, for a reasons that we got out of the Iran nuclear deal because it was such a bad deal, but also because under cover of that deal, uh, as the president made clear in his speech last Tuesday and any number of other speeches before then, Iran has been marching through the Middle East uh, almost unopposed while while uh, the deal's supporters obsess on keeping the deal in place. Uh, Iran's conduct has been malign in essentially every other aspect of uh, Middle Eastern affairs. So if the president hadn't gotten out of the deal, I think things would only get worse. I think Israel, the Arab states are uh, very much in support of it. And I, I think the Europeans will come around, too. Uh, I don't think really, I hope anyway, they've not been deceived by Iran's conduct. I think they were kind of induced by the economic incentives. Uh, the president has taken a lot of those economic incentives away. So we've got to focus on uh, the totality of Iran's bad behavior, the the support of terrorism, its ballistic missile program, uh, as well as the worst of all, its continued effort to get nuclear weapons. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back more with the National Security Advisor to the President, John Bolton, and much more as we continue. All right, like many of you, yeah, I do have insomnia because I'm up all night working and I can't help it. But thank God when I do try to sleep, I sleep better than I ever have thanks to my pillow and Mike Lindell. Now, I, it works. I don't know what else to tell you. It's neither drug nor alcohol induced. My head hits that pillow and out I go. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. You can too, just by going to mypillow.com or calling 800. 800- 919-6090, promo code Hannity. Mike Lindell is offering one of his best deals ever, his special four-pack. Over 50% off, two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow's made in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Or you can spend more sleepless nights, you know, working on trying to sleep on a pillow that's hard as a rock and doesn't work. Go to MyPillow.com, 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, Mike's special four-pack, and you'll get two MyPillow premium pillows, two go-anywhere pillows, over 50% off. They arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you crave and deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. The National Security Advisor, former Ambassador John Bolton, who's with us. Well, you know, I've always been a fan of yours over the years. I mean, you've been a frequent guest on, on radio and on TV all these years. And um, what is what is different? Because you've been around 
Washington politics. You were a U.N. ambassador. You, you know many of the, the world stage players we're talking about. What's different now? And I know you're still relatively new to the job, but what do you see that's different? Well, I think we've got a very decisive president, and uh, I think he's demonstrated that uh, in, in uh, the, the course of even the, even the five weeks that I've been there and the things we've been talking about, and I think there's more to come. I, I think this is a, uh, a very, very uh, important time for the United States. Uh, the Trump administration inherited a lot of problems from Barack Obama, and the president's trying to deal with them in a way that makes America safe, and it's the absolute priority uh, of keeping American national interests first uh, that's so important. And uh, that that's the pattern. That's, he never wavers from it. Uh, and I think it really gives a direction to his advisors and, and really helps other governments around the world understand just what our priorities are. Yeah, well, I think America now is in a very different position. You know, I don't understand one thing. You know, I've, I've been playing a lot of Winston Churchill versus Neville Chamberlain. I've been playing a lot of Reagan versus Clinton and a lot of Obama versus Donald Trump. And there's two very distinct ideology or, or philosophies, let's say, or approaches to, you know, the world's despots and, and evil in our time. And I throughout history, there's always been people that believe, well, if we're only nicer to the mullers, mullahs in Iran that threaten to destroy us in Israel and we give them one hundred and fifty billion, then they'll be nice to us or Bill Clinton trying to bribe Kim Jong-un's father, Kim Jong-il, or Neville Chamberlain, you know, peace is in our time after meeting Hitler in Munich. Um, but others see that the only way to deal with these the evil in your time is to confront it and defeat it. Is that is that your philosophy? Yeah, no, exactly. And I think the president understands that. That's what uh, Reagan used to call peace through strength means. You, you want to protect American interests uh, by demonstrating to our adversaries that uh, if ever they tried to cross us, the cost to them would be far in excess of anything they could impose on us. That's not more likely to lead to military hostilities. It's less likely because our adversaries know that uh, they don't stand a chance. And I think that's what uh, President Trump's massive increase in the defense budget goes a long way toward uh, toward obtaining to correct the massive mistakes made in the Obama administration. We, we still have a ways to go. There's no doubt about it. But it is a completely different worldview governing our foreign policy now. All right, uh, Ambassador and now new National Security Advisor John Bolton, congratulations on your new position. Uh, the world needs your wisdom at this time, and very complicated, uh, very complicated things you guys are trying to do. And I wish you Godspeed in, in this approach so the world's a safer place. Uh, thank you for being with us. Well, I appreciate it very much, and uh, stay in touch now. All right, you bet, Ambassador. I keep calling him Ambassador because I'm so used to calling him Ambassador, National Security Advisor. 800-941-SHAWN is our toll-free number. You want to be a part of the program. So, Walker, how do you resist the temptation to run up and wring her neck? Why can't she just say, if a staffer said that, we're going to get to the bottom of it, and she'll be fired? Well, I think a lot of people were surprised, uh, Nicole, because there was an anticipation that she would have something to say. Instead, Sarah Sanders sort of took a step back from that and said she wasn't going to comment on this situation at all. But, Nicole, as you've been discussing, it does shine a light on the tone and the culture within this White House, within Washington right now, and within our politics more broadly, I think, Nicole. They do valiant work every day trying to get some, some semblance of truth or at least to expose the hypocrisy and the lies. 
minus the Baghdad Bobness of it from the, the from the podium. But if you're asking me like how how they tolerate it, how they live with it, like why how do they? I mean, I don't. They have more fortitude than I have. I <laughs> I could not go down there and do a Kristen Walker. You're not making I could down. not. I would I would I would slip my throat after about maybe two of those briefings if I had to sit in that room every day. Well, I'll tell you the difference between Sarah Sanders and Baghdad Bob is that if Baghdad Bob didn't say what Saddam Hussein wanted him to say, Baghdad Bob would have been shot. Sarah Sanders is lying of her own volition. She stands up there every day as a willful participant. Baghdad Bob was a hostage. Uh, uh, Sarah Sanders is an accomplice. I mean, there's just such vile viciousness in the attacks against Sarah Sanders. We saw it at the White House Correspondents' Dinner. I almost now, in retrospect, wish that, in fact, that Sarah Sanders got up and walked out of that pathetic attack on her. Uh, I, I just can't imagine this happening in reverse, that, that, that any liberal woman would be attacked the way Melania is attacked, the way Ivanka is attacked, the way Sarah Sanders is attacked, or any kids like, okay, you want to go after Don Jr., you want to go after Eric Trump, okay, they're fair game, they're, old, they're in the political process, they're out campaigning for their dad. Are you really going to go after a 12-year-old kid, 11-year-old kid, the way they've gone after Baron Trump? And the things they've said about him, too. And it just doesn't stop. And nobody gets fired. Nobody gets called to the carpet for this. And it is it, it just is border. And these are the people that say they are so superior. They're so kind and loving and have a monopoly of compassion for, you know, women and the poor and minorities. I think the only show that ever has pointed out the way that Hillary took millions and millions and millions of dollars from countries that abuse women, where women can vote, where they can drive. And some of these countries that the Clinton Foundation took money from, marital rape is legal. Gays and lesbians are killed routinely. And then, of course, Christians and Jews are persecuted routinely. And she took a fortune from those countries. Not a peep, not a word, nothing by anybody. So now we got people on conspiracy TV suggesting that Sarah Sanders should be physically assaulted at the White House podium. Governor Mike Huckabee tweeted this out. Yes, at press secretary is a mother of three small kids. Feminists will demand that advertisers drop that show and the anchor get fired, right? Nope. No penalty for libs suggesting violence. I, we don't support boycotts, but the point is well taken. Anyway, joining us to discuss... Kaylee McEnany is with us, the author of the bestseller, The New American Revolution, The Making of a Populist Movement. Uh, Jeffrey Lord is with us, former associate political director in the Reagan administration, columnist, author of the best-selling book, What America Needs, The Case for uh, Donald Trump. Oh, full disclosure, uh, Jeff and I have done some work together, one, and we've actually, actually spoken privately together. Same thing with Kaylee in the green room one time, and we shared a cookie from the green room. Uh, welcome both of you uh, to the program. Uh, you know, Kaylee, let's start with you. I, I, you know, I sit and I'm in amazement at the time that this keeps happening. They don't stop. They're unrelenting in these attacks against women. And I can't see it happening in reverse. Would never happen in reverse. Um, the, the women in the Obama administration were celebrated as powerful, strong women. But when you have an R behind your name or if you are affiliated with Donald Trump, all of those standards go out the window. All of a sudden, you're not a strong, powerful woman and you can be derided in vile terms like with Michelle Wolf at the White House Correspondents Dinner 
or you could be even threatened to be physically assaulted, as we saw Nicole Wallace do. The fact is, as presidents empowered women, Sarah Sanders, Hope Hicks, Kellyanne Conway, Mercedes Schlapp, the list goes on and on. But none of those women get the credit they deserve because they support this president and the media cannot stand that he is succeeding. Yeah, it's all true. Jeff Lord. Yeah, yeah, and and my friend Kaylee certainly knows. Uh, I certainly remember that uh, the kind of things that were said about her when we were on CNN, and she was defending President Trump. This is what they do. I mean, the well, wait a minute. What did they say to... about Kaylee? Because I, I don't, I, I didn't, ha- I didn't know you personally at the time, Kaylee. But I used to text Jeff Lord when it was one of those ten-on-one sessions. <laughs> you know, and they're pounding on my buddy, and I'm like, oh God, they can't pay you enough money. <laughs> over there for, for this type of abuse. What did they say about Kaylee? Oh, references to her intelligence. I mean, the typical standard thing, that she wasn't very smart, that she was, you know, she was blonde, she was attractive, she was a phony. I mean, on and on and on and on this would go. And, and I just, you know, at that point, frankly, I didn't even bother to take it personally for her because I've just seen this too many times. I mean, this is the kind of thing, as Kanye West just found out, if you are black, if you are a woman, if you are Hispanic, and you are conservative or a Trump supporter, God forbid, uh, they're going to come after you. They are going to come after you. All bets are off. That's what goes on. And I guarantee you, if Kaylee quit tomorrow and so well, does that mean we're the- going to start investigating Anderson Cooper's finances and, and Jake Tapper's finances and everybody— I mean- yeah, I'm, I mean, just one, I'm just wondering, because apparently, you know, uh, if you're a conservative, you get vetted like a presidential candidate, but they don't do the same vetting for Barack Obama. It's, it's fascinating to me. Well, it is. It is. And I, and I guarantee you, and, and as you know, I had this uh, experience already when I turned this around on Chuck Todd. Uh, he was not a happy camper. <laughs> uh, <laughs> when no, I pointed out his uh, conflicts of interest with, with his wife. Um I, you know, it's it's sauce for thee, but not I mean, for me. It's more or less the way. Yeah, it goes. I mean, I'm at the point in my life. You know, uh, the the I watched this idiotic online discussion about my relationship with Michael Cohn. I mean, Michael Cohn was on the show. He was a guest. When we spoke, I wanted to speak freely and privately. I, I handed him ten or twenty bucks. Never worked any case. I never retained him. Nothing ever involving any third party. It it, it basically was reduced to. Um, I want this to just stay between us. So this is here's 20 bucks for attorney client privilege. And with that, the media went insane. They, they just right. had to believe something existed that didn't. Um, and this is the way they roll. And I just think now, you know, I look, I'm in the arena. I can take a punch. But I do think these attacks against women cross a line here that needs to be stopped. That's what my whole fight with Jimmy Kimmel was about. No doubt about it, Sean. It crosses a a real line when you're threatening physical assault. I remember during the campaign, a CNN reporter actually joked with her producer about President Donald Trump's plane coming down. That's when he was just a candidate. I mean, there's no clear lines here that they won't cross because they have so much animosity for this president, Sean, so much, they can't even conceal it. And you see these honest moments where Nicole, Wall t- Nicole Wallace talks about wanting to bring Sarah Sanders' neck. That's how these, a lot of these people feel inside. That's a real true moment of animosity coming out. They normally conceal it in the form of fake news stories. But, you know, this president succeeds. Hostages released out of the Iran deal today, moving the embassy to Jerusalem. I think they're, they're going to get more and more hostile, and you'll see more and more of that animosity. Well, I mean, you know, uh, if you look at, for example— 
just what happened in the last week. We know we had the release of the hostages. You mentioned that. We captured the top five most wanted leaders of ISIS. The president got us out of that horrific Iranian deal. We have a date set in Singapore for Kim Jong-un. Uh, Kim Jong-un crossed the DMZ. He's not firing rockets. He's inviting the press to watch him shut down nuclear facilities at this point. 14 states, record low unemployment numbers, record low unemployment for African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, and women. The unemployment rate is the lowest it's been since 2000. The capital of, of Israel is now Jerusalem. And I'm I, and there's more economic statistics than I can even name on this program. And nobody ever talks about any of it, Jeff, ever. Well, and, and here's the key to this, Sean. It's precisely because he's succeeding. You know, I, I, I have just, uh, I'm doing a column tomorrow on Brett Baer's book on Ronald Reagan. And it is eerie to me. I mean, and particularly having worked in the Reagan White House, the fights that would go on to keep him from saying things like evil empire or Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The same kind of mentality was out there that we know better than you. We're, we're smarter than you. And and you're not supposed to do these things. And Reagan, as the president, overruled him and did it anyway, which is exactly what Donald Trump is doing. And the fact that it succeeds just really drives these people crazy. The well, fact you know, that and it's you actually yeah. drives them crazy. I mean, that's make no mistake. If if you were you know a fourth-rate radio announcer in Dubuque, they wouldn't care. They care because you are so successful at what you do. That's why they go after you. It means nothing to me, but I will say this, and, and, you know, Kaylee, I look at what the president's doing on Israel. I've always been a staunch defender of Israel. Uh, Originalists on the Supreme Court, I've always supported that. The tax cuts that ended up being bigger than Reagan's, I support all of that. Ending burdensome regulation, it's always been a part of what I believed in. Energy independence, securing the border, peace through strength, trust but verify— in other words, I know that in your book you said this is the making of a populist movement. To me, it's, it's straight-up Reagan conservatism. That is Reagan conservatism, everything you just named. And you have these, Sean, absolutely fraudulent Republicans like Nicole Wallace, who's now a liberal, like the many of the Republican commentators at CNN who walk around and disguise themselves as Republicans but, and go down and tear down this president when a true Reagan conservative would be standing up and applauding. He is achieving the conservative agenda at record rates. Even Heritage Foundation has said that 10 times the pace of past Republican presidents. It's exciting, and the media recognizes it, which is why they make up conspiracy theories about Stormy Daniels and Russia collusion, and they're in same, but voters recognize it. That's why Donald Trump became president. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a great. This is great for the country. I right, got to take a break. We'll come back more with RNC spokesperson Kelly McEnany and Jeff Lord, uh, who uh, wrote the book "What America Needs: The Case for Trump." Author, columnist, and former Reagan administration official. As we continue with Kelly McEnany and Jeff Lord are with us. You know. As we head into the uh, midterm elections, Jeff, and we've followed an election or two, and I think it's way too early in May to make any predictions. I know Democrats have been very, very enthusiastic about, you know, the blue wave that I don't see materializing yet. But look, anything's possible. Um, But I think the Democrats pretty much are scared to death of one thing. With every success and, you know, optimism is at an 11-year high. The Atlanta Fed is now forecasting 4% GDP growth for the second quarter. Um, Democratic lead in the generic ballot has plummeted to one. It used to be 17. These are all indications that what they think was going to happen is not happening. 
Well, that's right. And the more successes there are between now and November, the less likely this blue wave, uh, which, frankly, I mean, blue wave, red wave, uh, waves against an incumbent president are fairly typical in off-year elections. But the exceptions can be when something is when things are going really well, and they are going really well. And, you know, not to be uh, ignored here is that uh, Democrats are, are saying among themselves, don't talk about impeachment. <laughs> Well, they're saying it, but that's exactly what would happen, wouldn't it? Yeah, right. But they're saying don't campaign on it because they think it would backfire, and I think they're right. And furthermore, when Republicans tried this, it did backfire in 1998 in terms of Bill Clinton, and they didn't do very well in the 1998 elections after cleaning the floor with him in, in 1994 with Newt. Uh, so I, I suspect that they they understand this. But, boy, if they did that, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all true. Uh, let me ask you this important question, because I think this is really important. So if I'm the president and I'm watching this, the only hope Democrats have of removing him from office is if the Democrats win, Kaylee, in 2018 and, and Nancy Pelosi becomes speaker. Because whatever Robert Mueller's going to do, I think it's I think he's had an anti-Trump agenda from the get-go, in spite of all of these setbacks, including this T.S. Ellis judge and and the case of the Russian bots and, and another setback in that case and having the deep state been exposed. But I still think it's going to be he'll write a, a harsh report uh, that will lead Democrats to think they can impeach the president. Therefore, my question, does this now turn 2018 into a referendum on Donald Trump? Because I think it does. Absolutely, Sean. And make no mistake, you know, you mentioned Nancy Pelosi becoming speaker. They might not talk impeachment, but that is the hidden agenda of the Democrats. That is exactly what they want. They thought the special counsel would end this presidency, but they've turned up nothing. So they will rely on retaking the House of Representatives and moving forward with impeachment charges on baseless allegations. But, but Sean, we've seen a, a direct inverse correlation as the Stormy Daniels saga took over the evening news, that ridiculous story. You've seen an inverse correlation with the president's poll numbers going up, the generic ballot becoming better for Republicans. Voters are smart. They understand this is a hoax. These are conspiracy theories, and they know the hidden agenda of Democrats' impeachment. And that's why it's so important. We've got to show up, Republicans, all across this country. Uh, we need a red wave. We need enthusiasm as we move forward. No, I totally... And not to be forgotten, Sean, if they did get a majority in the House, they can pass impeachment all day long if they want. It's got to go over to the Senate, and there is no way in the world that would happen. None. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you both for being with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Jeff Lord and Kaylee McEnany with us. 800-941-SEAN. The United States and the Republic of Korea remain committed to achieving the permanent, verifiable, and irreversible denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. If Chairman Kim chooses the right path, there is a future brimming with peace and prosperity for the North Korea, North Korean people. America's track record of support for the Korean people is second to none. If North Korea takes bold action to quickly denuclearize, the United States is prepared to work with North Korea to achieve prosperity on the par with our South Korean friends. The United States looks forward to continued close cooperation with our South Korean allies on this issue 
and many others. Denuclearization uh, is absolutely at the core of it, and it means not just the nuclear weapons. North Korea has previously agreed several times, in fact, uh, to give up its uranium enrichment and plutonium reprocessing capabilities. We've got the ballistic missile issue is on the table. We've got to look at chemical and biological weapons. There are a range of things to discuss. And so that is really whether uh, Kim Jong-un will, will come through on this. And it's, uh, it's the reason why the, the president is both optimistic but realistic at the same time. All right, glad you're with us. 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We had John Bolton on the program earlier today. Look, if, uh, if in fact it's possible, now that he's inviting, he's inviting the Western press to watch him shut down his nuclear facilities, I don't think anybody expected any such thing to ever happen. And, you know, look at what we've just witnessed in, in recent weeks. It's been pretty spectacular. America pulling out of the Iranian deal. We watched that unfold. We watched Kim Jong-un walk across the DMZ into the arms of the South Korean president. Now we also have, we're not watching rockets being fired either over Japan. I don't see Guam threatened anymore. And I see for the first chance the possibility of real denuclearization in the Korean peninsula as a very strong possibility. And, of course, I didn't even mention the three hostages left uh, that were released last week or the five top most wanted leaders of ISIS that were killed or the great economic news the country has. I mean, it's been an amazing time to be a, a part of history watching all of this, to be honest. Joining us now to discuss and debate, we have Fox News contributor Dr. Sebastian Gorker, former counsel to the president. Scott Ullinger is with us. And he's a congressional candidate, by the way, for the 9th District of Pennsylvania, but he's a retired CIA ops officer, Russian intel operation expert. I understand your primary is tomorrow. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Sean. Um, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Dr. Gorka's visit on Saturday in the district, I think, really energized folks, generated lots of buzz, and I think it's looking really good for the primary tomorrow. Well, good for you. Number one, what did you do when you were in the CIA? I mean, I'll be honest, it's probably the most fascinating work to me. And I say this all the time as we talk about deep, deep state operatives and and those that misabuse their power. We're not talking about rank and file intelligence, rank and file FBI, rank and file CIA. They risk their lives and protect us every day. But I'm talking right. about those that were involved in FISA abuse, covering up for Hillary and things like that, or maybe even spying on the Trump administration. That's right. I, I was an operations officer overseas and a station chief. I uh, spent a lot of time recruiting uh recruiting Russians and Iranians, pursuing Iranians, and also a lot of counter-terrorist targets as well. So I spent most of my time overseas, and it was a great career. And you're right, Sean, uh, very much so. The rank and file, I think, are, are, really, are really angry at, at, the, at basically the senior management in not only the CIA, but across the federal government, because it's put our agencies into a bad, into a bad light when actually they're full of hardworking, patriotic Americans. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, you can't sweep with a broad brush. But these powerful tools of intelligence are so powerful. You know, we, we can't be allowing FISA courts, Dr. Gorka, to be presented with information that is unverified, not corroborated. The law requires that. FBI protocols require that. And not only in the original FISA application against the Trump campaign, three subsequent applications, even one that Rod Rosenstein signed on to, which tells me he should be recused from the whole issue himself, but putting it aside and then not telling these FISA judges, okay, we're going to spy on these Americans. We're going to spy on an opposition party candidate. We didn't verify it. Oh, and the other party candidate paid for it using a foreign national to get Russian lies to do it. Yeah, it's truly incredible, Sean. This is perhaps the most successful Russian information uh, operations 
uh, assault on our democracy since the Russian Revolution, the idea that Russian propaganda makes it into an illegal FISA warrant. And now, as of last week, the, the latest bombshell that apparently the FBI might have had a covert asset in some, inside the Trump campaign. To what end? What, what crime has been committed? The, you know, the, the, we are finally realizing how very deep and how very wide the swamp is. And that's why it's great you know, that we have people like Commander Uninger who are, you know, they know the swamp from the inside, but they're patriots and they want to help the president train it because he's done amazing things in just the, the first year. You've listed them. But we want to make sure that the, uh, the Make America Great Again agenda continues for another seven years at yeah. least. And then maybe after that, President Pence can give us another eight. Scott, let me let me ask you this, because I, I think this is very, really pertinent and, and important. If you go back to the original, when James Comey and Peter Strzok were writing the exoneration of Hillary in early May of 2016, before they ever interviewed her and 17 other key witnesses, I'd never heard of such things, their original... Their original writings not only would have triggered the law itself, so they, they cleaned that up as, as the different variations came apart and as, they, as they rebuilt this thing over and over again. But more importantly, they talked about five or six foreign intelligence agencies that probably had accessed Hillary Clinton's emails in that mom-and-pop shop, you know, server bathroom closet. That's right. If we wanted to find out where the DNC emails that WikiLeaks had gotten a hold of, and I, w- I think I'm one of the few people that ever interviewed Julian Assange, and he swore it wasn't Russia, but off the top of my head, now that we know that Hillary's server was hacked by all these foreign countries, you know, I guess at this point it's anybody's guess where it could have come from, China, North Korea, Iran. I mean, is Russia anybody, right? That's right. I mean, all those every country that you named has very good cyber capability, including Iran is an up and coming power in that realm. That's right. Although, right, as, as you have discussed on your show, there was evidence that perhaps somebody on the DNC staff had exfiltrated that information using a thumb drive. But the bottom line is Hillary's bathroom server was an absolute counterintelligence disaster. And I'm sure, you know, half a, or at least half a dozen intel services obtained all of that information. Yeah. I mean, so that's the point. You know, I would have thought, for example, Dr. Gorka, why didn't Mueller try and find out, OK, where did you get this information from? Because uh, now we know in retrospect, it could have been any number of countries. Well, there's a very simple answer to that. Uh, that would presuppose that Mueller and that Comey actually cared about the truth and weren't politically biased uh, DNC operatives. So we know now, we've seen the texts, we've, we've seen the admissions. Th- these individuals, whether it's Stroke, whether it's Page, whether it's Comey, whether it's any of these individuals, they all expected Hillary to win. So they weren't interested in the truth. They wanted to feather their own nest. They wanted to make sure that the Trump campaign would lose. And as such, they politicized law enforcement at the highest level of the American government. It really turned us temporarily into a banana republic, and now Donald Trump and his people have to clean that mess up. Well, I think, you know, what's what's been really fascinating to me, Scott, again, you spent all these years in the CIA and, you know, as an operations officer and Russian in- intelligence uh, uh, operation expert, and, and now you're running for Congress. Why you would ever want to do that job is beyond me. But putting that aside, the, the people that I am finding coming up to me that are most angry about all of this are people in the intel community, people that I know in the CIA, people I know in the FBI. 
You know, that's right. And a lot of absolutely. And a lot of and a lot of veterans, too. I mean, throughout my district, I travel throughout my district. People are very angry about this. In Pennsylvania, there's a lot of patriotic Americans, a lot of people who have served in the military, who've taken an oath before the Constitution, much as I have. And they're outraged by this seemingly two, you know, two tier legal system where the deplorables are answerable to one set of rules. And then the, the, the upper level, quote, upper level political class are, you know, are under a different set of rules. And that really angers the average American and the average Pennsylvanian. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Now, tell us, you know, when you go out and people found out, find out about your background and your experience, you know, in 2014, Devin Nunes wrote a a piece in the Washington Examiner warning how Russia wanted to create chaos during our elections. And one of the things that I think is most fascinating is they did create chaos. And they, it seems apolitical. For example, there was an article last week that said, oh, these bots would, would say good things about conservatives, good things about liberals, good things. And just to maximize the intensity, I guess, that everybody's feeling. Is that standard operating procedure? Because two weeks before the 2016 elections, Barack Obama was lecturing Donald Trump to stop whining that no foreign entity, uh, no serious person would ever think any foreign entity would try to do this to America. It's kind of naive in retrospect, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. I mean, you know, Russia's always tried to subvert uh, other countries' elections, whether it was Greece or Poland in the late 40s and other places. And they've tried it before in America, but they never had success. But thanks to the Democratic Party, who basically became uh, either a willing or unwilling transmitter of Russian disinformation, they, in fact, have played right into Russia's hands. So the Democrats are, you know, effectively, they wind up working for the Russians in sowing dissent within our republic. Yeah, I mean, that's the sad part of all of this is they were successful, although there was a report that came out last week, Dr. Gorker, again, saying that not one vote was changed in the process, that this was just part of an effort uh, to create chaos in the country and discord. This this has a very long track record. Scott, Scott, you know, is absolutely spot on there. But it's not it's not just unwitting. It is witting when you have. And this is where it gets truly disgusting. And I'm sure Scott could tell us many things about him. But when the former director of the CIA goes on national television and says, actually, says, you're talking about well, Brennan, Brennan, yeah, John Brennan, who voted for the communist candidate Gus Hall in 1976 at the height of the Cold War. And he says, well, the Russians could have blackmail information on the president. Well, John Brennan, uh, the Russians could have information that, 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 that you're a wife beater. You're, you're actually supporting Russian information operations as the former head of the CIA. It's uncomfortable. Well, well don't forget he tweeted out, stay tuned, Mr. President, which sounded to me like oh. a deep state threat uh, that they were going after the president. We know that people are still paying for research to, to try and corroborate the ridiculous dossiers that, that has been debunked or what about Chuck Schumer's comments to the president? Oh, you, you take yeah. on the Intel Committee. Good luck. Is that what our Intel Committee is doing in the United States of America? They're going after people they don't like, American citizens, because they disagree with them? Well, I, I think, thanks to the great work of, you know, people like our colleague Sarah Carter and Molly Hemingway and Greg Jarrett, we, we will know a lot more very soon. This is, this is you know, I, I, would, I would say to people like Comey, Forget about the book, uh, book tour and, and Brennan, uh, you know, cancel your Twitter account because you may be getting yourself into more trouble. The more they talk, 
the more we find out about how just political these individuals were. So I think we're only at the beginning of the story. And as we begin to drain the swamp more and more and more, uh, we will find some very, very dark things occurred under the last eight years of Obama. I mean, that is really chilling. I mean, look at the number of unmaskings. Uh, yeah. Scott, look at look at the right. number of Americans, a 350 percent increase in the election year, he- heading into the election year 2016 on unmasking American citizens that are picked up on incidental calls. Uh, and there's supposed to be a process called minimization that is practice. It wasn't. And then you have Samantha Powers. Why would a U.N. ambassador ever request an unmasking of any American citizen? And then you have, That's you right. know, General Flynn in his case. I mean, they literally leaked the raw intelligence, but all he was doing was talking to his future counterpart. It's true. The um, the abuses are truly incredible. I mean, I started writing about this um, online some, you know, more than more than a year ago because I could see this maybe because of my intelligence background. I could see this for what it was at the outset. From the moment that President Trump said that that Trump Tower had been wired, I knew that there was definitely some truth to it, knowing the way the government works. It's a pity you know, the intelligence community has a great capability. However, that's the challenge in the republic is that if you put people in those in those uh, senior levels who abuse their power, there is just a, an unlimited ability to subvert our country. And that's and that's the scary part. And that's one of the main reasons that motivated me to run for office, because uh, hardworking Americans need to stand up and put a stop to this and make a stand, because otherwise we're going to lose our country. All right. Scott uh, Eulinger, by the way, is running for the 9th Congressional District. I guess the, the primary is tomorrow, right? Is, and, That's right. Uh, primary is tomorrow. All right. Well, good, good luck to you uh, in that race. We'll be following closely. Uh, Dr. Gorker, we appreciate you as always being with us. 800-941-SEAN, a big Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. What an incredible day today was and an incredible week last week was and incredible things that are happening. Of course, you won't hear it from the mainstream media. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Let not your heart be troubled. Tonight, Hannity investigated reports. Yeah, there was a spy with the FBI in the Trump campaign. You can't make it up. And by the way, things are going great for the country, both on foreign policy and, of course, the economy. That's bad news for Democrats. Dan Bongino, Sebastian Gorka, John Solomon tonight, Larry Elder, Sarah Carter, and David Schoen. It's all happening 9 Eastern Hannity tonight on Fox News. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. Hey, if you want a firearm that is easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from our friends at Henry Repeating Arms. Now, it is a portable rifle that you can put together, take apart in just minutes, and then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case that it comes in. It's so small, you can store it pretty much anywhere, and it's light enough to carry everywhere. Now it comes in black and two different camo patterns, and you can pick one up for three to four hundred bucks depending on the finish. Check out their videos. Go to their website. It's one word, henryusa.com slash survival. And while you're there, make sure you order their free catalog. Now, Henry makes more than 200 rifles and shotguns and revolvers, all made in America, all backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website, henryusa.com. Get their free catalog. They'll send you free decals and a list of dealers where you are. That's HenryUSA.com, free catalog decals for the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, they have supported our nation's heroes and their families ever since. Heroes like Marine Corps Sergeant Adam Mayo. Now, Mayo served our nation for over seven years before he was catastrophically injured during training. 
Now, he was left paralyzed from the chest down, severely limiting his ability to move around his home independently. Now, Tunnel to Towers paid for Sergeant Mayo's mortgage, and that removed that financial burden from him and his family. The foundation gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his very specific needs and injuries. And Tunnel to Towers has already come to the aid of so many heroes and their families by providing mortgage-free homes. They can only do it with your generosity. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good and never forget. We hope you'll join all of us here at Team Hannity. Go to their website, commit to $11 a month. Go to the letter T, the number two, the letter T.org. The letter T, the number two, the letter T.org for the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Hey, we're all looking to save, especially on medical bills, but where do you start? Now, unless you're a medical billing expert, finding savings, well, it can seem impossible. HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and they flag errors like overbilling or wrong codes and fraud. And you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, saving starts with knowing where to look. Go to their website. It's HealthLock.com today before you see any other healthcare provider.